You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Take 
to African Perspectives, where we view the issues of our day from an African worldview and African-centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition to ask elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters. In the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet, it gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors and we say the word ashe. It simply means so be it. So we pour this libation to God for all that God has done and for all that God will do. We sashay. We pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity, everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future. We all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Tymeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured us libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. We say Ashe. We poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, 
Benin, Great Zimbabwe, civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So he poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe? We poured us libation to the Ma'afa, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So he poured us libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the Holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We poured us libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we poured us libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted. And we will always resist. So we poured us libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We poured us libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We poured us libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good. Because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Shimhotep means go in peace. Good morning, African world. You are listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and Black Talk radionetwork.com and I am your host Baba Oshi Hotep family hope everything was well for you today hope you had a good weekend hope you had a chance to do all the things you want to do should do must do can do and will do hoping too that the weather was accommodating for you to do it but of course if it wasn't and it had to get done and must be done you got it done and that's why we love you and have admiration for you and give you all kinds of praise and props because you don't procrastinate you get it done and that's what we need more and more and more of us to get things done, to move us on the track of self-determination, liberation, and sovereignty for us as an African people. 
and I'm talking globally. I ain't talking about no damn America. I'm talking about globally. And when I talk about sovereignty, I'm talking about the continent. Check. <laughs> yeah, this is African Perspectives. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, Rachel's in Pacific, or any other time around the world. But if you cannot listen to this program live, you can always go to our archives at Time for an Awakening. Dot com. At the top of the page, you'll see podcast. Click on that. The drop down, you'll see African Perspectives. Click on that, and there will be programs that are dated and titled. Thanks to my good brother and friend, Brother Kwaku. Also, too, if you want to use the shortcut, just go to whatever search engine you use. Put in babaoshi.net. B-A-B-A-O-S-H-I dot net. Babaoshi dot net. And once again, there will be programs that are dated and titled. Other programming we have here on Time for an Awakening Media. On Tuesday, Black Reality Think Tank, which are host, Brother Alfonso Watkins, in honor of Dr. William Rogers. On Thursdays, the Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the move, the Black Liberation Movement from 7 to 8. Friday, if it's Friday and it's 8 p.m. Eastern, that's right, brothers and sisters, it's time for an awakening for Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Saturday from 7 to 9, the Sankofa Elders Council. Saturday from eight to 7 to 9. And then on Sunday, once again at 7 p.m., it's time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. And the number to call is 215-490-9832. 215-490-9832. We buy black. We Buy Black, the largest online marketplace for American African-owned businesses, webuyblack.com. And yes, sir, you can get everything you need from American African-owned businesses. And if we don't support them, who's going to do it? Exactly. Brothers and sisters, go to webuyblack.com. Africa for the Africans. Uh, Wednesday's guest will be Brother Vamani Taihimba. So I'm going to give this rundown now because I'm not going to do it on Wednesday. No announcements on Wednesday. I'm going to give him the, the, the program right after the, uh, the Inye Sesim, the Inye Sesim, and then we're going to uh, get into some good discussion because Brother Bomani's got all kind of good information and what's happening. And, of course, he's going to Senegal and Gambia March 30th through the April 9th, March 30th through April 9th, Senegal and Gambia, May 24th to June 5th to Ghana, July 20th to July 30th, Rwanda. November 16th through November 27th, Tanzania. December 24th to January 4th, 2024, Azenia. March 29th to April 9th, Liberia. July 11th to the 23rd, Ghana. November 21st to December 2nd, Kemet. And I tell you, I'm going to talk about that trip a lot because I, I plan to go on that trip. Hoping them, everything is health-wise and good and everything like that. Shake got me some good shoes and good hat and such. Man, man going to, and, and, and the reason why I'm, I'm saying this family is because taking this trip with Brother Bomonte is just like taking a trip with one of the scholars. He has a sister there on the ground in Kemet. I mean, believe me, you'll, you'll learn more. And so... Um, Africa for the Africans dot org. That's right. Habasha. Habasha Incorporated dot org. Habasha stands for helping Africans by establishing schools at home and abroad. And of course, the programs that they have uh, here, in a, particularly in the Atlanta area, the Habasha Works program, Sustainable Seeds, Golden Growers, Urban Green Jobs, you know it. 
but also to the Kashi Project that is in Ghana, which uh, of course I want to uh, check out when I get myself in Ghana again. And other, yeah, I, I got to go to Ghana, man. I might go to Ghana this year. Me and my traveling buddy, brother, former retired captain of the Chicago Fire Department, Jim Winbush. <laughs> We've traveled there many times, and it's always good. Brothers and sisters, howishaiincorporated.org. Check them out. LEDGE. LEDGE stands for Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. The LEDGE group, dealing in the areas of human existence that are vital. Food, water, clothing, and shelter. Brothers and sisters, they have 12 projects in six countries with over 170 employed and over 260 members. Brothers and sisters, become a member of the LEDGE group. The website is down for a B-B-U-T-U-M-I, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I dot com. It's down for a little maintenance. But, of course, they're having that conference in July. The Black Power Conference in July. B-B-U-T-U-M-I.com. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. It's my pharmacy. Brothers and sisters, contact Brother Jabril. His number is 770-765-7751. Brothers and sisters, if you are planning on changing uh, how you do things with your body, you know, the things that you put into your body, you don't want these prescription drugs you want to be more holistic you want to be more natural contact brother Jabril if you want to contact him by email go to smypharmacy at gmail s-m-a-i-f-a-r-m-a-c-y at gmail.com the Moses West Foundation the Moses West Foundation and the Jackson Mississippi Rescue the water rescue for Jackson Mississippi is ongoing Brothers and sisters, I've had Brother Moses on. I'll have him again. And Brother Apollo, the work that they're doing is phenomenal. Brothers and sisters, yes, there are issues about water. But water in itself, there is no issue. Water's all around us. Water's in the atmosphere. Water is vital to our very existence. That's why Moses West is not, he don't want nobody to invest. He wants you to donate. This ain't about a money-making venture. We're not monetizing water. We're trying to make sure people in the world, wherever that is, Ghana has been having an issue with water. Africa has been having an issue with water. But also other places around the world have issues with water. But the only issue is the access to it. Ain't the fact there ain't no water. Oh, yeah. I mean, aside from all the snow and rain that the Southwest has received, you know, the the levees are up. I mean, uh, the, the you know, uh, the tanks are being filled and so forth. Yeah, I saw one reservoir that was completely looked dry, and now it is completely filled. So those things are good. Unfortunately, uh, the damage done, and and they don't have some ramifications. But that's you know, the weather is like that globally because why we don't messed up the damn weather. So anyway. The Moses West Foundation. Brothers and sisters, go to the MosesWestFoundation.org and donate and donate to the Jackson, Mississippi Water Rescue. Dada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar located in the West End here. I'm Ralph David Abernathy across the street from the Soul Vegetarian up the street from the Shrine. Up the street from the Shrine of the Black Madonna. 
<laughs> Brothers and sisters, give with daughters a call at 404-444-1635. That's 404-444-1635. They have health foods, all kind of good stuff at Wadada's. On weekends, they serve vegan dishes. Wadada's, healthy marketing juice bar. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. Mama Nia has a fine selection of books, postcards, greeting cards, gift certificates, t-shirts, figurines, and so much more. The programs that she now has, the book signings and so forth, I presented there a few weeks ago. Love Mama Nia. It's a good sister. Support her. 404-346-3263. 404-346-3263. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. The Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar located in Lithonia, east of here, off of I-20. Um, when you go I-20 going towards Augusta, exit 74. Make a left. About a mile down the road is the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar on the left. Give my good brother Gazemdia Jamu a call or at 770-305-6373. 770-305-6373. There is light in the Black Dot. Jump back on that street, which is the main street, and go back to I-20 and go east. Make a left. Go east. The next exit, exit 75 for the new Black Wall Street Market. Exit 75. Turner Hill Road. Make a right. Three lights. Make another right. And on the left would be the new Black Wall Street Market. Us lifting us. Uplifting us. Us Lifting Us is the economic development cooperative for our people. In the spirit of Ujamaa, cooperative economics, or as I like to say, family-centered economics. Us Lifting Us, every Thursday night, the Thursday night broadcast is every Thursday night from 9 to 10. Brothers and sisters, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash ULU, or you can even call at 929-477-2789. That's 929-477-2789. Us Lifting Us, every Thursday night from 9 to 10. Brother Bija at Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop in Macon, Georgia. He's not open on Mondays, but he's open from Tuesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Brothers and sisters, give Brother Bija a call at 478-256-1166-478-256-1166. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop in Macon, Georgia. Man, he's got it all. He even has a vegan restaurant on the premise. Brother's got it all. He's got it going on. Sun got a sense. Your one-stop natural shop located at 4140 Jonesboro Road, Forest Park, Georgia. Inside the International Discount Mall, booth 225. Contact my sister, Shelly Amonset, for 404-434-7963. 404-434-7963. Sun got a sense. Your one-stop natural shop. I saw them this past weekend. We had a little black dot. Uh, black dot. We had a Black Circle get together, Brother Andre and oh, all the good brothers, Brother Sincere, over at Quaku's house. And he, man, the salmon that brother put on the on the grill was outstanding. And right on, Brother Quaku, and right on to the Black Circle of men and some good brothers, man. Really, some good brothers had a good time. Uh, and so, and also too, Shelly I'm said said that you know they still have a booth at two twenty five, booth two twenty five in the discount. But she also has a job, so give her a call. And she got all kind of good stuff. The shoes, the black, the red, black, and green, the, some grooming stuff for your beard, all kind of stuff, brothers. Sanjay Dash Haiti. Sanjay Dash Haiti, Sister Gabrielle Aurelia, has been doing outstanding work in the northeastern portion of the island of Haiti. 
and uh, check out the website at Sanjay S O N J E dash I E T A Y I T I Sanjay dash I E T dot org. All right, the Akaban uh, brother Baba Barudi and Mama Yah. Uh, please, brothers and sisters, support them. Support the, the educational institution, the Akaban Institute at PayPal. PayPal. Go to PayPal. Put in Yah. Go to Yah Y A A Baruti at Yahoo for PayPal. Cash App. Dollar sign. Dollar sign. Yah Y A A. The letter M. Baruti. B R U T I. And make your donations. If you want the books that Baba Baruti is a prolific writer, he's writing another one. Go to AkabinHouse.com. AkabinHouse.com. Brothers and sisters, the Inye Sesim of daily revolutionary thought. The Inye Sesim of daily revolutionary thought. March 19th. White nationalism is what puts you in bondage. Atum Asante. I remember meeting Atum Asante and her father at a community festival shortly after our excitement over learning of her poem, White Nationalism Puts You in Bondage. And, and the seething indignation it ignited in the European and the Negro communities. I remember standing there conversing with her father about all the hell she was catching for speaking our truth and looking over at her playing nearby in the grass and thinking, wow, a nation of grown Caucasians or grown white folks or grown Urugus afraid of a little girl. What kind of frightened mind would put so much energy into destroying a seven-year-old girl? Affirm, I protect children from others' fears. Affirm, I protect children from others' fears. Uh, I gotta play that poem, you know, for sure. Gotta get it, gotta play it, family. March 20th, the captive that kills his master practices an act. The captive that kills its captors practices an act of legitimate self-defense. Lewis Scammer. Violence is always the last resort, but it does not become the last choice after repeated unreasonable aggressions by others. It becomes the last choice in each aggression. I was always taught that you don't hit first. You stand your ground, but you do not strike the first, your opponents first. However, once your opponent strikes you, you have the human right and responsibility to use whatever force is necessary to arrest that threat. Sometimes it takes a simple blow. Sometimes it requires breaking a bone or rendering someone unconscious. If push comes to shove, it can even call for dealing death. This is the reality of a powerful, unyielding love of one's and one's people, humanity. The main problem with us using the don't hit first logic is that it is a most, most serious problem when we as African people are dealing with Europeans is that they have struck us again and again and again without an effective or even many cases any response. In fact, they have struck the first blow so many times already that it appears that we have become so numbed from their blows that we can't tell 
that they are still hitting us? How many first strikes do they have to deliver before we realize that they long ago crossed the retaliatory line? You can't talk peace in the heat of battle. You can't wait for the first blow if that blow will kill you. There is no returning to the battlefield from death. There is no pride in a warrior falling without taking a victim. Affirm, I effectively respond to the first blow I say. Affirm, I respectfully respond to the first blow. Brothers and sisters, the in Sassem of daily revolutionary thought. March Madness, March Madness family is a stirring reminder of what America was founded on, making tons of money off the labor of unpaid African people, men and women. Stands are filled, dollars are flowing. March Madness, a stirring reminder what America was founded on making tons of making tons of money tons of money yeah today I'm gonna I, 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 this weekend I saw a piece by Madi Hassan Madi Hassan is with um, reporter for MSNBC and 20 years ago he responded to George Bush's challenge or, or invasion of Iraq based on all kind of flimsy lion ass weapons of mass destruction. They're the ones responsible for the 9-11 attack. Of course, now if your ass don't know that the 9-11 attack is an inside job, you a damn fool. If you don't understand the depths of what Europeans, Caucasians, crackers, Urugu will do to maintain dominance and, and control, you don't have a damn clue. And they like you like that. They want to keep you like that. But in response to that, he went on the war path. He claimed that he uh, Saddam Hussein tried to kill his daddy and he has a response. I mean, even to this day, he's never in denial as you'll hear from the piece. We're going to play it after we uh, take a break. We're going to take a break a little early because I want to get the because uh, I think I, Mahdi Hassan's piece is about a half hour damn near. But it's important because there was a lot of that that I remember because I was mad as hell that it happened. I hate the fact that they that the United States have openly done this lie to the to the people to uh, do what they have done. Hearing um, Colin Powell to the Congress about weapons, about knowing he's lying. Condoleezza, Condoleezza Rice, all these Negroes supporting this madness, and then Michelle Obama hugging on him and him dancing and him. Oh, it's a damn shame. And the same shit is going to happen with Bar- uh, um, oh yeah, Barack Obama's hands is bloody too. Oh yes. Yeah. Muammar Gaddafi. No better friend to Africa 
I ain't talking about just sub-Saharan Africa, to Africa, than Muammar Gaddafi. Muammar Gaddafi was loved, respected by the people of Libya, but they had to make him a monster. They had to, they had to paint a picture of him being cruel and stealing wealth and so forth so they could justify bombing him. They, it, you know, and, and they didn't do it when he was doing some other things, when he supported um, um, Minister Louis Farrakhan, gave him some big money. You know, no. When he talked about developing a gold dinar, a gold coin, that, the, that, the, that his oil would be backed up by this gold coin, that you would have to pay his oil in this currency. Oh, he had to go. He had to go. The United States, Europe, the petrodollar. Oh, no. He had to go. And they killed him shamefully and put it all on TV. Just like Saddam Hussein. Just like uh, uh, Trump did with the guy that he killed. They got to kill the alleged foreign terrorists. You know? Justify their presidency. To justify European, Caucasian, extremism, racism, and privilege. White supremacy to justify it. Man. I tell you. Oh, some birthdays right quick. Birthdays, Moms Mabley, Spike Lee, and Sister Rosetta Tharp, and Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. I think there's some more I missed. I'm quite sure there are there's some other birthdays. But I saw that in... in you know, Moms Mabley was an outstanding comedian. <laughs> yeah. And I saw some of stuff when she was young. You know, she was a good-looking woman. Of course, part of her routine was looking all, you know, like a, a, a mother who just get up and with a robe on and house slippers on, a hat on her head, no teeth in her mouth. Yeah, but she was outstanding. Of course, Spike Lee and, you know, although he's made a number of movies, some have argued about some of the portrayals, particularly of of uh, El Haj of, of Malik El Shabazz, Baba Omawali, you know. But hey, yeah, Spike Lee, Rosetta Tharp, she, she was the one who brought in the blues. Rosetta Tharp, the guitar playing, she she went around the world. But of course, um, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, you know, I, I, I was fortunate to uh, attend her service in D.C. And, uh, you know, I've seen her many times. I remember seeing her, um, I remember seeing her uh, in Milwaukee. You know, this is before the ISIS papers, you know. Yeah. When she had, um, you know, the Crest Theory and Color Confrontation, 
And then she came out with the ICE, ISIS papers and, you know, further substantiating her. And of course, all hell broke loose because what is she saying? She's saying that Caucasians have a fear of genetic annihilation. That's what they, that's why they do what they do to people outside themselves. That's why they some undermine them, supplant them, you know, eliminate them, exterminate them. That's why they mess with people's minds. This is we're dealing with a damn evil ass entity, and yet we we they have you so discombobulated that you behave. That your behavior is really not natural because your behavior is against your own best interest, but because of how they're doing it, you think. You think and you behave as if it's normal. Yeah. And so, Dr. Frances Cress Wells, and I remember uh, when she was here in Atlanta, last time I saw her, um, and I had picked up Marimba, because her and Marimba are good friends. They they have been doing stuff together for many years. So I picked up Marimba and from where she lives and took her. It was way west of where I live here, uh, where I'm living now. And a nice place, a nice auditorium, you know. And I remember hearing her say, in fact, Zaza Ali was on that particular piece too, uh, you know, that's a good good young sister, conscious young sister. Yeah, Sasa Ali. She's not related to Muhammad Ali. I thought she was because she looked like one of the daughters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, she's fine. She's a beautiful sister, you know. And, um, and Professor Griff was with them, and he was with her. And she was, they were, you know, had their, their booth up, and she presented, and Frances had hers up. Remember, and they had a book together, and I was helping to sell their books. And anyway, what I'm going to say is that uh, when it came to her about this situation with Caucasians, she said she was in the kitchen, and it was like an epiphany. Bam! The reason why they are the way they are, you know, because because albinism, you know, uh, is not what turned. Uh, Africans into white people. No. She understood that. It was an evolutionary process and development in those caves of Europe. That's what turned them people. And in that environment, they behave very viciously, very violently. They have no respect for women. They have no respect for women. They're selfish and greedy, territorial. They see a kill, you just made a kill, trying to help feed your family. He ambush your ass and kill you and take your kill. Survival, the survival, the mentality of Europeans, the survival of the fittest. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. And so she said that that gave her some understanding of what this whole situation then of course she tried using the symbolism like the like the pool table the pool table is usually green you know then the, all the balls of color in the rack and the middle ball is the black ball and of course the white ball the white ball is the ball 
than must if you're playing not straight pool, but if you're playing eight ball, then that's the last ball that you shoot with the white ball against the black ball. <laughs> yeah, and, and other symbolisms that she that she used, you know. So if you haven't read the ISIS paper in a long time, reread it. If you don't have it, go get it. Yeah. Dr. Francis Cress Wells and birthday was a couple of days ago. Others. I know there were some others I just can't think of them. Uh, you know, I don't know why. Um, seems like if I, you know, have something on Facebook, I, I have it and then I don't have it. Because <laughs> if, 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 I, if, I, if I go back there, it's not there. I'm like, what happened? You know? Yeah. So, anyway, family, that's what we're going to do. So, in, in a in a few minutes, I'm going to take a break, and then uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to go right into, you know, Maria Hassan's piece. Twenty years later, at the Iraq War, you know, twenty years later, of course, blaming. Uh, 9-11 on um, Iraq and on uh, what's the name? Osama bin Laden. And of course that's that was that was Barack's you know aside from the other stuff that he did. <sighs> when You know brothers and sisters the United Snakes this country Western society Europe, Australia, all of them, white people, Caucasians, who are experiencing diminishing population numbers globally and and who fear genetic annihilation. That's why the, the uh, abortion piece is deep, family. That's why the abortion piece is deep. Because in this country, when, when people want you know, the, the, for women to have, and I'm I'm really for women, if you want to do what you're going to do, you do what you do, okay? I ain't got no issue with that. You know, I don't. I don't have no issue with that. You know, I can honestly say, I, you know, I used to work for Planned Parenthood, their teen peer program. So I was not a proponent or opponent of abortion, but what I was for was correct knowledge and information to be given to uh, teens about human sexuality, contraception, sexually transmitted diseases and infections. And infections. I wanted you to have the the best information for you to make an intelligent decision. And so, if women want to do that, that's their decision. That's their decision. And if there's things that are there, not right now, the abortion pill, which is the usual methods of abortion, more so than going to a clinic, because. One, Caucasians aren't having children. So, you know, you us, we can abort all we all we want. In fact, they they, they got plans to, to to diminish us aside from the abortion issue. Shit, straight out incarceration. I mean, look at this country here. Brothers and sisters, we should be easily approaching the numbers in terms of population that are here for Caucasians. Because why? The Caucasians have been experiencing negative population growth for a few decades. 
but because we hear and all the negative things that happen to us here, all the mental uh, calamities that happen to us here, I'm wanting people outside of us. Homosexuality, mass incarceration, substance abuse, plain ain't shit. Those factors have made our population decrease. The youngest population decrease. Ain't happening on the continent. Oh, they want it. Oh, they want it to happen on the continent because they want to take the continent. And what makes me angry is the fact that we don't come together as African people on the continent and throughout the diaspora to prevent it from happening. Yeah, I'm, next week I'm going to play a piece from uh, our sister, Dr. Arcana Chichambori Kwa, who's probably the person. I'm going to be going to uh, Baltimore to the State of the Black World Conference, and unfortunately she ain't on the agenda. They're talking about, uh, you know, globalization, So, but she ain't on the agenda. They're talking about working with the diaspora, but she ain't on the agenda. <sighs> I tell you, family. Tell you, family, don't get me started. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to uh, go right into that piece. Maybe some of you heard it. Uh, if you haven't, you can go to MSNBC. Go to MSNBC and uh, my dear son and put uh, my dear son and. Hassan, Hassan, and uh, put in the 20th anniversary of the Iraqi war, the 20th anniversary of the Iraqi war. So, yeah, I tell you, family, it's deep, ain't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Brothers and sisters, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on TimeForAwakening.com and BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. I am your host, Baba Oshi, and uh, you stay with us. I, I wanted to get you into this discussion. Let me know what you think, how you feel. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. Why do I act in this fashion? Why can't I control my passion? 
You're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on time for an awakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. And I am your host, Baba Oshi. Uh, let me get rid of that. Uh, sorry about that, family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, OG Bounce. I mean, I'm an OG, you know. So it's the OG bounce. And before that, another OG, <laughs> Quincy Jones, Body Heat. Man, man, that song, love that song. When I, when I first started listening, when I first heard that song, I was at a, I was underage, of course. I was at a bar, but uh, I knew the bartender and some other friends, and I always hung around with older people, you know. And that song always sticks with me. And time I hear that song, I think of that bar and don't know how many chicks I pull out of there. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, <laughs> let's get, damn, Oshi, tripping, dude. Uh, let me get back to the seriousness of this program today. And believe me, and it is. And it is. Because I tell you, family, as I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, I hate this country. I hate this country. I hate the people that run this country. You know? I really do. I hate what they do and how they do it and make you think it is justified in doing it and have you go along with it. So many of our people, just like I saw the young brother, I can't remember his name. He, he's played in um, Love, Lovecraft Country. Uh, you know, um, the uh, that Western with um, Isris Elba. Good brother, I, I like him. He played also too. Some, but anyway, he's doing a commercial for the army, you know. But hey, you're in America, you know. You're in America, and you quite sure you got paid very well to do a commercial for the United Snakes Army. But this this country is this country is the military arm of white supremacy. This is the military arm. This is the country that goes out and strikes and destabilizes and do whatever is necessary to maintain and sustain the privilege that Caucasians have created for themselves. This is the country. Europe is the monetary, monetary. Even though the United States now is dictated by Europe. It's dictated by the British. It's dictated by the French. It's dictated by the Germans. And of course, they have no resources. So where do you get them from? Just like, just like diamonds. Israel's main import and export is diamonds. The main import export is diamonds. They trade diamonds in New York. The Hasidic Jews on the streets. They they're they're the ones that have the diamond houses in New York, cutting diamonds, polishing, and then of course all of the outlets that are in your city and and coming up with the idea that a diamond is forever and a diamond ring and all the other showings of, of affection and, and so forth. That's why to me, I'm, I'm going to say this family, you may not like it. That's why to me, I'm, I'm not a religious person. I'm not, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not. I may not be a, an atheist, 
I ain't none of them others. You know, maybe for my own spiritual spirituality. <laughs> no, I'm not going to form my own anything. I believe in the African spirituality. I believe in what our ancestors believed. But just like Menelik the Great, African spirituality ain't going to save us from these crackers. We better get some guns. <laughs> Mother Menelik, you know, that's why you got to give Mother Menelik much love. You got to get some guns. Hell, shit. We praying and putting because if that was the case, why is, you know, and, and if Juju was so good and so, so powerful, so strong, why has Haiti been so messed up from the moment that 1804 happened? But, you know, I still love Bookman Duty. Bookman Duty said, throw away the white man's God and you will be free. He didn't say you could be free. He didn't say you might be free. He didn't say you might maybe be free. No, you will. They threw away the white man's God. And them brothers and sisters went on the rampage and kicked the French out of Haiti. And then, of course, what happens? Oh, the United States, Britain, other countries? No, Spain? No, we can't have this. And vamped on them and then took half the island, the Dominican Republic, with they color-struck ass. Man. Brothers and sisters, this is a deep piece. I'm going to play this. Please listen, and let us dialogue after this particular piece. I know that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's deep. It really is. What were you doing 20 years ago in February and March of 2003? Perhaps you were at the movies enjoying part two of the original Lord of the Rings trilogy or watching the pre-Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers win Super Bowl 37. Maybe you were listening to 50 Cent's chart topper in the club. For me, I was marching. Not in a band, not in the army, no, of course not. I was marching against an impending war with Iraq. When hundreds of thousands took to the streets of London to protest, I was in that crowd, and demonstrations like it were happening everywhere. Protesters came by the thousands, filling block after block around the United Nations to make a single dramatic statement against going to war. The anti-war protests were on a scale not seen since the Vietnam War. Millions around the globe marched this past weekend. More than a million people jammed into Trafalgar Square to protest U.S. plans for war in Iraq. These were some of the biggest global demonstrations in human history. And in London, we were marching against not just British Prime Minister Tony Blair, who rallied the UK to join the American war effort, but against American President George W. Bush himself. We were right to protest then, and we've been sadly proven right in the 20 years since. 4,000-plus American service members and 400,000-plus Iraqi civilians died as a result of the invasion, an illegal invasion launched by George W. Bush, which is what I want to talk about at length today. In fact, devote the entire show to on this 20th anniversary of the Iraq war. Because I, for one, 
find it bizarre. I'm actually appalled at the way in which almost everyone seems to have moved on from talking about President Bush and his responsibility for one of the great crimes of the 21st century. People in our politics, in our media, in our popular culture haven't just brushed Iraq under the carpet and let Bush off the hook. They've rehabilitated him. They've begun to celebrate him. In the middle of a presidential campaign filled with rancor, we were struck by a very different image over the weekend. First Lady Michelle Obama embracing former President George W. Bush. So good to see the two of them together. I wish yeah. the rest of our politicians could get along as so well as they do. What led you to painting? You know, in retrospect, it was... Uh, Longing for learning. That old boy can paint, I can paint. That old boy can paint, I can paint. A former president, now a painter in his prime. Can you enlighten us uh, to the painting? <laughs> George, w. Rem George W. Rembrandt. The portraits that you have done are beautiful. Thank you. You're really talented. I can't believe well, you just started you. five years ago. I painted, uh, these are painted with a lot of passion. You were involved in many notable faux pas, which... Um, <laughs> We, we had a lot of fun with, I'm you sure know, you you're opening the door, there was mission accomplished. Yeah. A faux pas. How is any of that okay? Sorry, I don't care how good his portraits are, and I, for one, am not going to laugh and smile about George Bush offering cough drops to Michelle Obama. He can offer up his whole medicine cabinet, as far as I care. And I get that the rise of Donald J. Trump has made some Americans look back at George W. Bush and say, maybe he wasn't so bad. I myself wrote a snarky 2015 op-ed about how the anti-Muslim rhetoric of the GOP, of Trump, of Ben Carson, of Mike Huckabee, made me miss George W. And the fact is that the party has certainly gotten more extreme and more bigoted since he left office. But I certainly don't look at Bush and wax nostalgic the way so many Americans and even so many Democrats now seem to. I haven't forgotten about Iraq. And I, for one, certainly didn't need the reminder that SNL's President Bush, a.k.a. Will Ferrell, felt compelled to give during the Trump years. So I just wanted to address my fellow Americans tonight and remind you guys that I was really bad. <laughs> like, like, historically not good. Remember, during his last year in office, President Bush's approval rating was in the 20s. But by 2018, in the second year of the Trump presidency, it was up to 61% approval. His support among Democrats had quintupled. Nowadays, Americans apparently see W as a cuddly former president with some cute hobbies who wasn't as bad as the Donald. So on today's show, 20 years on, we're marking not just the deaths and destruction inside of Iraq... But the fact that former President Bush somehow just got away with it all. Collective amnesia has always been a problem in American politics. And so two long decades has allowed almost everyone to just forget about the long campaign of falsehoods with which Bush kicked off his illegal, brutal and disastrous Middle East war. Just memory hole it. And yet, before Donald Trump's big lie about the 2020 election... There was George W. Bush's big lie about Iraq's non-existent weapons of mass destruction. Now, we all know Trump has yet to be held to account for his lies, but neither is Bush. And as I'll explain in a moment, George W. Bush was a big reason for why we would later get Donald J. Trump. But first, let me take you back to Wednesday, September the 12th, 2001. 
the day after the horrific 9-11 attacks. Rescuers at Ground Zero are searching the smoldering rubble for survivors. Families are looking for thousands of missing people. And authorities are matching the names of passengers on those fated jets to the names of suspected al-Qaeda terrorists. So what are President Bush and his closest advisers doing while gathered in the West Wing of the White House? Why, they're talking about bombing Iraq. Yes, Iraq. Something we would only learn later from accounts of insiders like Richard Clark, the U.S. counterterrorisms are under both Bill Clinton and George W. Bush. In fact, when Clark sat with 60 Minutes in 2004 to reveal what had happened, you could really feel the pressure he'd been put under. On September the 12th, 2001, Clark said he had been pulled into a room by President Bush, who asked him if Iraq was to blame. Clark said no, but the president insisted. He came back at me and said, Iraq, Saddam, find out if there's a connection. And in a very intimidating way. It was a current that ran through the White House all of that day, according to Clark. That afternoon, he says, Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld was talking about, quote, getting Iraq, even though al-Qaeda was in Afghanistan. Rumsfeld was saying that we needed to bomb Iraq, and, and we all said, but no, no, al-Qaeda is in Afghanistan, we need to bomb Afghanistan. And Rumsfeld said, there aren't any good targets in Afghanistan, and there are lots of good targets in Iraq. Within two months of that meeting, Bush ordered Rumsfeld to draft just such a war plan for Iraq, as Bob Woodward first reported in his book, Plan of Attack. But why? Saddam Hussein, the country's longtime dictator, played no role in the attack on America. In fact, he had been a U.S. ally against Iran in the 1980s. There he was in 1983, shaking hands in Baghdad with a special White House envoy named Donald Rumsfeld. Yes, that Donald Rumsfeld. So what made George W. Bush so determined to attack Iraq two decades later? Was it the push by the so-called neoconservative hawks around him to oust Saddam even before 9-11 and make Iraq a base for pacifying the whole Middle East and protecting Israel? Perhaps it was Iraq's vast oil fields. Even before 9-11, a White House energy task force set up by Vice President and former oil executive Dick Cheney had mapped Iraqi oil reserves and made a list of, quote, foreign suitors for Iraqi oil contracts. And I would note that early in the war itself, officially called Operation Iraqi Freedom, a White House spokesman got the name wrong. He said Operation Iraqi Liberation, or OIL. Whoops. Look, maybe just getting Saddam was personal for Bush, an extension of the first Persian Gulf War and the lingering bad blood between the Iraqi and American ruling families. But there's no doubt his hatred is mainly directed at us. There's no doubt he can't stand us. After all, this is the guy that tried to kill my dad at one time. Whatever his reasoning, George W. Bush was mad, as journalist Robert Draper learned from a religious leader who met with Bush soon after 9-11. Some religious leaders met with him in the Oval Office, and um, the president confessed to them, I'm having difficulty containing my bloodlust. Bush seemed increasingly fixated on Saddam Hussein. In March 2002, just six months after 9-11, as National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice met with three senators in her office, Time magazine reported, according to one participant, that Bush poked his head into Rice's office and announced to them all, quote, F Saddam, we're taking him out. Those words from President Bush were first reported in 2003 and haven't been publicly disputed since. 
Now, the best check against the march to war might have been a press that asked tough questions that acted as a true watchdog. But few in the American mainstream media challenged the evidence-free claims over WMDs at that time, or acknowledged the deep cynicism and dishonesty of the man pushing them the hardest. The man who would talk about terrorism and violence in the Middle East like this. We must stop the terror. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank, Thank you. you. Now watch this drive. Sure, the Gettysburg Address is great, but is there anything more American than George W. Bush cheerleading a war on terror from the first green at the Cape Arundel Golf Club? He had his war plans for Iraq. He had a complacent press. All that was missing was a pretext to invade. Four words. Weapons of mass destruction. A massive stockpile of biological weapons. Anthrax and botulism toxin and possibly small pox. Biological weapons factories on wheels and on rails. VX and sarin and mustard gas. Attempts to acquire high-specification aluminum tubes. High-quality aluminum tubes. High-strength aluminum tubes suitable for nuclear weapons production. Nuclear weapons. We know he's out trying once again to produce nuclear weapons. We have solid evidence of the presence in Iraq of al-Qaeda members. Various terrorist groups, including the al-Qaeda organization. Al-Qaeda leaders have sought contacts in Iraq who could help them acquire uh, weapon of weapons of mass destruction. Weapons of mass destruction. It's weapons of mass destruction. We don't want the smoking gun to be a mushroom cloud. Facing clear evidence of peril, we cannot wait for the final proof. Guess what? There were no WMDs. We know that now, but the key fact here is that they should have known that then. They had almost no intel to suggest Saddam had actual WMD, certainly not a massive stockpile, to quote Bush, or that Saddam played any role in 9-11 or had any working relationship with al-Qaeda. These were just wishes masquerading as evidence. And the most egregious example was the claim that Saddam was developing nuclear weapons. Take a moment and just listen to 16 crucial words that helped get the American public on board with going to war, the line that scared the bejesus out of them. The British government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. President Bush in his 2003 State of the Union. Those 16 words, reported on and repeated uncritically by much of our media at the time, played a massive role in convincing people in America and abroad that Saddam posed a nuclear threat to all of us. It was one thing if Iraq had biological or chemical weapons, but the idea of the regime with a nuclear weapon, perhaps sharing it with terrorists, was a whole other level of immediate danger. And Bush claimed there were receipts. Thing is, those receipts did not stand up to even the lightest scrutiny. In 2001, the U.S. received intelligence from Italy's government suggesting that Saddam Hussein had tried in the 1990s to buy yellow cake uranium powder from Niger. Yellow cake is used for nuclear energy production, but also for nuclear weapons. This intel was flimsy, to say the least. It wasn't corroborated. And the idea that Iraq would buy 500 tons of this uranium without the ability to process it was pretty absurd. But nonetheless, the White House wanted any information to prove that Iraq had looked to buy yellow cake uranium. So just months after 9-11, the CIA sent someone to Niger to check it out. They sent the former U.S. ambassador to that country, Joseph Wilson. He had plenty of contacts and would surely be able to see if there was any trace of such a sale. 
When Wilson got back to the U.S., he told the CIA he could find no evidence that Iraq had tried to buy yellow cake uranium powder. And the CIA warned the White House, don't say that they did in Bush's speech. The U.S. intelligence didn't support it. So what then do you do if you're the Bush White House and your intel services won't confirm the story you want to tell? Well, the Bush White House found a workaround. Let's play those 16 words again, but this time pay close attention to the source of that intelligence on Iraq and uranium. The British government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. The British government has learned. Yeah, Bush cited another country's unproven intelligence and acted like U.S. intelligence experts hadn't already debunked it. You can imagine Joe Wilson's surprise when he heard that speech in January 2003, almost a year after his trip to Niger. You actually don't have to imagine. Wilson wrote a New York Times op-ed shortly after the Iraq invasion. Quote, if my information was deemed inaccurate, I understand, though I would be very interested to know why. If, however, the information was ignored because it did not fit certain preconceptions about Iraq, then a legitimate argument can be made that we went to war under false pretenses. But it wasn't just Wilson's revelations that shook the public. Bush's case for war had already begun to crumble even before the first bomb dropped. In early March 2003, the head of the International Atomic Energy Agency told the United Nations that the documents which appeared to show Niger's government selling uranium to Iraq were actually forgeries. Over the next year, the Bush administration's claims about nuclear weapons, aluminum tubes, chemical weapons, mobile biolabs, all fell apart. The sourcing was a joke. The CIA wasn't on board. Meanwhile, remember, there's an insurgency in Iraq. The body count is mounting. The WMDs aren't there. And this is how the then president responds to it all, just one year after the invasion, at a gala with D.C. journalists. This is an actual gag that the Bush White House came up with at the time. I kid you not. I'm going to do one of my slideshows. <laughs> These are actual unstaged photos pulled from the files of the White House photo office. Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. <laughs> Nothing but laughs and jokes. So when people say, oh, look at Michelle and W and their friendship, their sharing of cough drops, I think of that clip of Bush that we just played. Having lied about WMDs, having got American soldiers killed, already thousands of Iraqis killed at that point, and laughing about it. Mocking the whole thing, not giving a damn. But hey, all is forgotten, all is forgiven. Even this. Saddam Hussein and his sons must leave Iraq within 48 hours. Their refusal to do so will result in military conflict, commenced at a time of our choosing. For George W. Bush, the war was a story he thought he could spin, a story with a definite beginning and a definite end. He chose the beginning. With a shock and awe spectacle on March the 20th, 2003, that captivated the media. And he even tried to choose when it would end, just 43 days later, with him in a flight suit swaggering onto the deck of an aircraft carrier, framed by cheering troops and a banner reading, Mission Accomplished. But Bush knew it wasn't over. The U.S. occupation had another 103 months to go. And the U.S. inflicted atrocities were just beginning. 
the torture and sexual abuse of detainees at Abu Ghraib prison, the use of white phosphorus to firebomb Fallujah, a major Iraqi city with a quarter million residents, and of course the massacres of ordinary Iraqis, ordinary civilians at Haditha and Mahmudiyah and Hamdaniya. And in many of those atrocities, the U.S. military's initial accounts, their initial denials, turned out to be flat false. Like when a U.S. gunship killed at least 40 Iraqis, including dozens of women and children, at a wedding party near the Syrian border. Top coalition military officials are not disputing the number of dead, but are suggesting these pictures may have been staged and don't match the facts on the ground. Senior Pentagon officials tell NBC News that a Spectre gunship like this one did launch an attack today, not on a wedding party, but on insurgents. And we are satisfied at this point that the intelligence that led us there uh, was validated by what we found on the ground. And it was not that there was a wedding party going on. Even after video evidence and eyewitness testimony basically destroyed the entire U.S. military narrative, the Pentagon refused to apologize. So just what are the effects on a country of invasion and occupation by an unapologetic, heavily armed, high-tech foreign army? You may have been told of the costs here at home in blood and treasure. 4,418 American service members dead and nearly 32,000 wounded, according to the Pentagon. Our coffers depleted by around two to three trillion dollars. Our entire politics upended, our faith in our media forever shaken. But what of the cost to Iraqis? Between 275,000 and 306,000 civilians died from direct war-related violence caused by the U.S., its allies, the Iraqi military and police, according to Brown University's Costs of War project. As many as a third of a million people. But, they add, several times as many Iraqi civilians may have died as an indirect result of the war due to damage to the systems that provide food, health care and clean drinking water, and as a result, illness, infectious diseases and malnutrition that could otherwise have been avoided or treated. Shockingly, according to reporting by Al Jazeera based on Iraqi government data, childhood cancers increased 12-fold in the six years after the U.S. assault on Fallujah, which involved the use of white phosphorus and depleted uranium weapons. And 15% of all babies there had birth defects, a rate many times worse than in the aftermath of the nuclear bombs dropped by the U.S. on Japan during World War II. And what do Iraqis have to show for this war and occupation of ours? Yes, Saddam Hussein is gone, a good thing. But the country remains plagued by violence, corruption, and a lack of proper democracy. Remember, this wasn't just a tragic accident. It was a crime, an illegal war built on blatant lies and waged so brutally by George W. Bush, the commander-in-chief. A war which caused chaos in the region and in the wider world. A war whose perpetrators have never faced any consequences. And again, one man in particular. <laughs> It's time for us to be honest. As the president, as the commander-in-chief, George W. Bush was responsible for war crimes on multiple fronts. As former Nixon lawyer John Dean, who you often hear on cable news these days, slamming Trump, as he wrote just three months after the Iraq invasion, this is the first potential scandal I have seen that could make Watergate pale by comparison. Manipulation or deliberate misuse of national security intelligence data, if proven, could be a high crime. Under the Constitution's impeachment clause, it would also be a violation of federal criminal law. And that's just domestic high crimes and misdemeanors. The Bush administration misled the world. And when the United Nations refused to back Bush's unprovoked war of aggression, 
he launched it anyway. Back in 2004, the leader of the United Nations at the time, the then Secretary General Kofi Annan, left no doubt as to what that meant. Now the UN Secretary General has made his strongest statement yet, denouncing the war. It's not in conformity with the UN Charter from our point of view and from the Charter point of view. It was illegal. He wasn't alone. An independent inquiry by the Dutch government in 2010 also concluded that the invasion was an illegal violation of UN Security Council resolutions, the UN Charter, led by the US. And that's just a decision to go to war. Prominent human rights groups have said Bush and his allies should have been held to account for all of the torture and alleged war crimes and crimes against humanity that occurred inside of Iraq on his watch at the hands of forces he commanded. And two such groups in New York and Geneva filed criminal complaints against Bush in 2011 for violating the International Convention on Torture, a move so serious that Bush cancelled a speech he'd had planned in Switzerland. His team cited security concerns, but one lawyer for Human Rights Watch speculated to a reporter, quote, he's avoiding the handcuffs. Of course, American presidents have never been put in handcuffs. Right now, in 2023, millions of Americans, for example, are waiting to see if former President Donald J. Trump will be put in handcuffs, if he will be indicted for multiple alleged crimes in multiple American jurisdictions. Coup plots, hush money payments, classified documents, not to mention the civil lawsuits he faces. So much of our discourse today and so much of our country's future is bound up in these questions of whether Trump is going to be prosecuted, whether a former president for the first time could see the inside of a prison if he's found guilty of committing real crimes, whether he could be held accountable. Meanwhile, George W. Bush is chilling in retirement, painting up a storm. Why aren't we having that debate about him as well? If we can talk about criminal culpability in relation to Trump, why can't we talk about it in relation to Bush? Why the double standard? I mean, not even the worst of Trump's alleged crimes, the incitement of an armed insurrection at the Capitol, come anywhere close to the death and destruction that George W. Bush brought to Iraq. And, I should also point out, many would argue there's a pretty straight line between the imperial presidency of Bush and the faux populist autocracy of Trump. Where else did Trump get the idea that a disengaged tycoon trading on a family name brand could attain the highest office in the country? That he could cover his bumbling mistakes and ignorance with swagger and spin an alternate reality based on fear and loathing? Remember, Donald Trump was also able to batter the Bush family, both George and his brother Jeb, who was running for president against Trump in 2016, by invoking the catastrophe in Iraq. A war-weary GOP base responded positively. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake, all right? George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. Iraq and Bush helped pave the way for 2016 and the rise of Trump. Iraq and Bush also helped pave the way for 2020 and the big election lie. Don't take my word for it. Listen to author Robert Draper, who's written two books on Bush and one on the Trump GOP. 
What's the legacy of the war in Iraq for the U.S., for America's foreign policy? Yeah, well, so I, in a way, Steve, I think that the legacy is what we heard um, before I got on the air uh, with people talking about, uh, you know, with their conspiracy theories relating to mail-in balloting, that, that there has been a sort of war on truth that uh, was made possible by the recognition that um, the U.S. government was not on the level with us um, after Iraq. And it, and it became possible then for a reality TV show star with zero political experience to say during the Republican primaries, look at all you guys with all of your experience. What experience did that get us? In the 20 years since the United States invaded a country that had not attacked us to install a government that wasn't representative on the basis of a threat that did not exist, there's been no real introspection, reflection, or reckoning with how that disaster came about and how to hold the architects of that disaster to account. Even as one subsequent American leader threw all of Bush's time-tested media manipulation tactics, and then some, into assaulting, literally and figuratively, the very foundation of our democracy. And as another world leader on the other side of the globe actively used our own illegal invasion of Iraq to justify his own illegal invasion of Ukraine, yet another geopolitical disaster and humanitarian crisis built on brazen lies and a total disregard for international law. Thanks to George W. Bush and thanks to our tolerance of indulgence of George W. Bush, America has no real standing or credibility when it comes to calling out the crimes of Vladimir Putin in Ukraine today. And yet, in the words of George W. Bush today, Ukraine, like Iraq, has just become another laugh line. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> Iraq, too. Of course, he doesn't really mean it. That wasn't a Freudian slip. Even now, Bush doesn't actually believe there was anything wrong with his invasion of Iraq. The former president has had multiple opportunities over two decades to show regret, remorse, contrition for what he did, but he refuses to. Knowing what you know now about Iraq, do you still think it was a good idea to go absolutely. in? Absolutely. You still do? Oh, absolutely. I really do. I'm absolutely confident that, uh, that getting rid of Saddam Hussein made our country safer and gave people a chance of Iraq, of living in a free society. George W. Bush is not a kind, sweet man, to quote Michelle Obama. He's not a really lovely man, to quote Nancy Pelosi. He's not someone you brag about your friendship with, as Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Clinton have done. On this 20th anniversary of his greatest crime, let us remember George W. Bush not hagiographically as the artist with paint on his hands, but more honestly, more bluntly, as the invader with blood on his hands. There it is, family. Uh, give us a call. Tom, let me know what you think. 215-490-9832. You know, when I first, 20 years ago, talked about, about the Iraq war and that was my understanding because I've always uh, looked opposite of what this government has said. Always. I read 
information. I would read the Final Call newspaper and uh, other entities so I could get a more clear picture. You know. We have a call, 404, 404, good afternoon. Hello, greetings. Greetings, my sister. How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, enjoying your program. As usual. And I just want to say, I had, um, I was kind of surprised at the revelations that they're speaking about. Because I, the, the the guy that was just speaking now, uh, um, Mari Hassan. I heard him on Tennessee. Yeah, huh? yeah, Mar- yeah, Mari Hassan. He is uh, one of the people on uh, MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That I, I've heard him. I, I heard him talking about this this weekend on MSNBC, mm-hmm. and I was surprised that MSNBC was doing that. Also, I noticed that um, CNN was discussing the same um, destructive behavior of uh, the U.S. They have some uh, guy that comes on. Um, on CNN, he's from mm-hmm. I think he's Arabic or Indian or something, and um, he was saying the same thing about how atrocious the United States was and and you know all the uh, injustices they perpetrated. So I'm just surprised that um, they're getting on the the mainline programs um, discussing that, and um, I was just wondering what what could be done about it too, if anything, you know. And I think that. Um, with with Putin, they're, they're, the U.S. is, you know, they're so hypocritical. They're talking about how sure. they should denounce and go after them and accuse Putin of some war crimes and right. et cetera and how terrible he is. And, uh, you know, they got this, you, you know, they got these atrocities there. So. Right. Well, well, the thing is this, you know, you complain <laughs> about another while you have done the damn same thing. Because and these societies, exactly. <laughs> oh, most definitely worse. These societies are very hypocritical. Societies run by Western, uh, by Western entities, Europeans, Caucasians, Urugu, are very hypocritical. They're very deceitful. They're undermining. They're conniving. You know, conniving. Yeah, and so That's a good word. yeah. So I, I, you know, in my understanding of of, of foreign affairs, in my understanding, because everything that I look at, I look at from an African perspective. I look at how it affects Africa. I don't even give my opinion. Once again, I say all the time on this program, if you because you've listened, I don't give you my opinion because my opinion is profane. And you can see just by what you just heard, that's some bullshit. My opinion Absolutely. is maybe for profane. What I try to do is give you the uh, the information based upon our scholars, our historians, men and women you know, who have sometimes labored without any funding at all to bring the truth to our people. And and, and and so when you look at what George W. Bush has done and you see the same thing that, that Clinton has done, the same thing that Barack has done, the same thing that all of these cats have done through the history of this country. Anything well, they where did feel, Barack do it at? Where, where did, uh, I, I know it was Bush that was doing all this stuff with Iraq. What, what, what was Barack doing? Well, Barack helped kill. Um, oh, 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 yeah. yes, yeah. He helped kill. Barack, yeah. yeah, he helped kill Muammar Gaddafi. Barack helped oh, kill. Oh, that's right. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Of course. There's yes. no there. There is no better Right. There's no better yes. friend that to was Africa. The worst one because that was a good. Uh, yes. Was, um, 
football too often. He was trying yes. to, uh, you know, do a lot of things, get us on our own independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, independence with Africa, Africa's Unite. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, so they all corrupt then. They just all blatant corrupt. Oh, def- definitely. If you're the president of the United States, whether you're a male, female, whether you're Caucasian, Asian, uh, Latino, whatever the hell nationality you might be, but you are able to be the president of the United States, you still told the line of what the United States is about. And that is to be the military arm of, of, of Caucasian, European supremacy. You yes, know the, this, that's, this is what the United States is, the military terrorism. arm. Exactly. They're the biggest terrorists around the globe. And when they looked at 9-11, which was an inside job, and there's nothing that anybody anywhere would ever tell me anything different, particularly as a firefighter. I'm a firefighter. I know what we do. And mm-hmm. and there has never been a building that went down because a plane hit it. Never. <laughs> yeah, and, been, but, and not only did this building go down, but it crumbled to the ground. And then building number seven, which was a, a couple of blocks away, when that went down some hours later, it went down as a perfect uh, uh, example of a demolition. It went down, and as they say, in its own footprint. When the plane went down in Shanksville, all you see is a skid mark, and supposedly the plane went and it submerged itself under the earth. Because you don't see that. When, when, when the plane supposedly hit the Pentagon, you, listen, let's not be naive. You know there's cameras, even though it's, it's 2021, you know there's cameras all around the Pentagon, everywhere, and they were all confiscated. Because the mm. only thing that you see, if you go online, the only thing, and you do the research, only thing that you see hit the Pentagon is a bright light. It's a fireball. And you don't see the wings mm. because why? They want you to believe that this plane was flying so fast and so low, all the electrical <laughs> wires and lights and so forth around that whole area. But it was flying so fast and so low that when the nose of it touched the Pentagon, it disintegrated. That's why you don't see no wings. Wouldn't there be some wings in the side of the building too? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't there be some engines around there? Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be the damn black box? Right. No, it's an inside job. It's a it, this country will do whatever it takes to maintain its position of privilege and control. And they try to bully the world too. Definitely, you know, they have all that propaganda that they propagate here in the United States. But a lot of the African countries, they're not standing with um, with uh, Biden and all this uh, against uh, Putin. You know, they they they. They end up not voting and siding with the United States is, is, is supposedly upset about that, but I say that's 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 good. Well, the thing is you this: know. a lot of times you side with whoever helps you. You know, right? They yeah. help them. Yeah, you help side with whoever Africa helps you. The United States and Cuba, right? And uh, you know, and and you know, this this putting um, them up on a pedestal, Ukraine. I mean, they racist. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they yeah. do have Nazi oh, oh, yes. oppressing, yes. uh, uh, suppressing, oppressing, terrorizing the African students and people. So it's all propaganda. You are trying to tell us that we should all run and support uh, United States against Putin. 
it's just analogous to yeah. that, that first Well, the bottom line is you always got to find out what's happening. You always got to find yeah, out what's they, happening. You when you find out what's happening, when you find out what's happening, you always got to look at it from an at least as far as I'm concerned. I'm not saying what you got to do, yeah, but from Mark perspective you got to look how it affects african and african people that's how i look at things the hell with america yep. the hell with everybody how does it affect africa all right my sister appreciate your call okay yeah appreciate you appreciate uh, the program always hotel our victorious that's destiny it. ashe four four three four four three good afternoon Brother OG, how What's are you? What's up there, Irving? I know you're going to be listening to the program on Wednesday, man. Who's on Wednesday? Bomani Tayemba, Africa for the Africans. Oh, oh I'm, that's going to be my best friend, brother. <laughs> we, we, about to, we about to go to synagogue. That's right. I Next, the the, the following week, the following week. Um, yeah, um, oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, he's going to be on for basically the whole program from uh, uh, 1115 onward. And because uh, cool. he has some exciting cool. stuff that he wants to talk about, you know, not just your your trip to Senegal and Gambia, but the other trips he has lined up. And we're going to definitely talk about the uh, trip to Kemet because that trip is going to be very interesting. I'm I'm very seriously contemplating on making sure I go on that trip because it's only it's a year and, and, and almost two years away. It's, it's, it's in this, uh, November, December of 2024, you know. So plenty of time to plan and plenty of time to work. That's going to be a great, a, a good trip. Hey, if yep. you if you go, I'll go. Well, hey, sure. let's do it. Oh, let's, even let's if do you it. don't go, I'm going. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, let's, I'm do sure. let's do I it. I'm going to go to Kim. Yes. I really want to go to Kim. Yeah, so let's. But brother, I'm, go ahead. I'm listening to the program, and it's so refreshing to hear a, a woman's point of view and, and, and to really understand that women, women see Women see what men see. Uh, these are our partners in life, uh, these queens that call in. And, and I call them queens because uh, I'm a, I'm, I look at myself as an African king, and mm. I have to have a queen by That's my right. side. And, That's right. And, she's right, and these, when these women call in and they get it, it just it, it, yeah. it, it excites me and it makes me happy. But what I don't, what I don't do is I don't listen to what these uh, Rugu white people, whatever you want to call them, whatever they say. I don't listen to what they yeah. say. I listen to what they don't say. Mm. Now he can sit here and yeah. talk about Putin this and Putin that and, and and Bush ain't this and Bush ain't that, which is which is absolutely true. But why aren't you saying nothing about the Palestinians? They're killing Palestinians over in Israel wholesale, mm -hmm. and they keep saying the occupied country. And you're absolutely right; it is occupied because mm -hmm. they went over and took this, and this is what imperialism is, and and racism and white supremacy and all these names you want to give it. But what the bottom line is, the simplistic name for it is that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's wrong all day, every day and nothing good's going to come of this. Mm -hmm. You're right. And, and I, and it, and it bothers me when I, when I hear these people keep when they keep saying it as if it's, it's, a, it's normal. It, it, it sits well with me. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, and what, and, the, and they, and they're, they're saying it, but they won't go as far as to say, well, let's, let's say something about the Jewish people. No, because that um, defamation league will jump on you mm. with both feet all yeah. day, every day. And I ain't never seen them have a march down the middle of the street. I ain't never seen them wear their shoes out. I ain't never seen a table to sit down and say, join the Jewish uh, defamation league. They don't want you to join. I ain't never seen the churches, uh, the doors of the synagogue are open to all. Come in. No, Come it's bring not. Your, uh, and you're right. No, but, 
You're right. It's not. They don't proselytize. It's not a. Islam does. Christianity shown the hell do. But is Judaism? No. No. Uh-uh. They, 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 they don't. They, they are isolated. They are, they are a, a cohesive group of people who separate themselves from everyone else. And control every and damn thing. Everything and try to control it, 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 everything. Come on, but black mm-hmm. people. Well, you, well, you know, we all got to get along with these white folks because they love us. No, they don't. They use you. They need you. They want to be you. But you are so confused in your mindset that you think the brown skin that you have is a bad thing. Saying I'm not a, I was, I'm not a slave. I was. Our people were enslaved. We weren't slaves. That's right. We were enslaved. Stop saying you were a slave. I hate that. You were enslaved. I, I hate that the when determin- we say that. I hate that when we say yes. that, that we don't have oh. the understanding and the significance of, you know, we were the slaves. The, no, we're not slaves. You know? No. My grandma was a slave. No, she wasn't. She was enslaved. We, mm-hmm. we say, we, we tend to, to, to parrot these, this foolishness. If you want to hide something from a black person, put it in a book. You got to do twice as much to get half as much. <laughs> uh, you come, come on, stop all this yeah. stupidness. Stop passing yeah. these this straight this straightening comb down to your children. Stop passing this relaxer so that when you die, the inside of your head is pink like the rest of these women been putting this this line in their head for years so that they can look like who? Well, I just want to manage things, but I want a lot of things to be better, but they're not. So I deal with it, but I don't make myself into something that I'm not. I am not a white man. I'm not going to be a white man. And I sure and the hell don't want to be. Like a white, and don't want to be. Yeah. You, gotta, you, you know you got to play the game. I don't have to play a damn thing. Why can't he play my game? Why do you keep saying you don't have a game? You're African. It's, it's, don't, don't, you're, you're, not, you're not American. You're African. I, I saw a lady in the bowling alley the other night. With a green hat on her head, bowling. Right. I said, "Sister, yeah, it's it's it's, it's St. Patrick's Day." But did you have a did you have a did you have a a, a, a dashiki on for Black History Month? No, but you quick to go tell Master, you know, I kissed me. I was a black Irish. You're a leprechaun. No, you're yeah. a damn fool. Yeah, is what you are. Well, and you you're know, too old for this. For come oh, come geez. come come May May 25th, African Liberation Day. I'm going to be pushing that. You mothers took all that green shit, green ties, green hair, drinking green beer, all that stuff. Yeah, for Irish, for the luck of the Irish, what you going to put on today for African yeah. Liberation Day? You going to wear something red, yeah. black, and green? Huh? Yeah. 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 Are you going to stand up and say, would y'all stop trying to trying to uh, integrate or uh, make my brother Malcolm into some love. I love white people before I die. Exactly. Stop trying to make King into some punk. Mm-hmm. King wasn't no punk. King said, we coming to get our check. Mm-hmm. That's what, and then you, but, but are you, you going to call out the NAACP? Uh, we, we, we don't need no money. We don't need, oh, well, I didn't say we, all we want is money. We want money. We want land. We want education. If right. we, we want all of it, there's, there's nothing. Don't put us in a all box. of it. All of it was denied us. That's why. That's huh? why. That's why when they talk about, well, we fought this war to free uh, Africans from. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You fought the war from an economic standpoint against the right. free labor of the South, against the emerging industrialization of the North. Because if you really fought this war for us, why you son of a bitches treated us so bad everywhere? 
If the North is so, so popular that we fought this war to free us, then why, you, then why everywhere that we've been, we've been denigrated, demeaned, and degraded and all of that? Yeah. And, right. why, and, and why is my mind still conditioned that when I get, I fly a lot, O.C., I do a lot of traveling. Now that I'm rich, I just travel a lot because I want to see everything before I get up off this earth. I heard that. Right on. Every time I look in that cockpit, or that plane I get on, because the door's open. Yeah. And I see a, I see a black pilot. Something happens to me. Man, we that's a brother flying this plane. Mm-hmm. Why do I, why when I see the white man, oh, you know, white people's is pilots. What? We are, <laughs> we are so colonized in so our brain, socialized, brain, yeah, brainwashed to believe that only a pilot can be, right. a pilot can be uh, white. Well, I mean, or, hey, listen, or, or, listen, it was so bad at one time that us, if there was a serious operation, if a brother came in or a sister came in, they didn't mm. want them to do it. We didn't. Because why? What? We believe that the Caucasian or the white man's ice is colder. He's right. more of an expert. He's more of a specialist. He's more, <laughs> you know. So we had no faith, no that at all in us. Because we hate Ourselves, we hate ourselves. And, and then when the, when you sis, when the sister puts on the hair, or to me, and I know it's just me as, as from an African perspective, which I which I see the world through that lens of an African. That's, mm-hmm. I, I do saying you you ain't never been to Africa. You can't even speak Africa. Well, Africa's in me. Yeah. And that's why I keep having problems with this white with these white things. I keep having problems with everything white is right. The, the white girl looks so good on TV. No, she doesn't. I don't. I even these clothing that you wear. Look, I, oh, I don't want to. You look good in that suit. I look better in some African gear. Yeah. But you, but you never see me in African gear because I think I look good in this European. I speak English. Oh, I ain't never. Yeah. Well, I have lived in England when I was in the military, but I ain't English. <laughs> Why am I speaking English? I am not English. Why? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But the, but they've changed the reality, Oshi, to make us think on we on automatic pilot yeah we don't even think about the racism and the discrimination that happens with the red line while we're where we are because of uh 200 years of them doing what they did to us this is what happens when you hold the people down for so long they don't even think about getting up we walk laying yeah. down well listen on, brother man. let me catch some oh, other yes, callers i got a few more callers before we get up out of here i'm gonna just put you on hold yes sir. right on brother yes, sir. Yeah, brother Irving is excited, man. He's going to he's going to Senegal and Gambia, family, and you can too. I announce it every day, and brother Bomani will be on my guest on uh, Wednesday. So please listen, and and if you got questions or comments, please give us a call at two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. Good afternoon, six four six. Good afternoon. Hey, what's going on? Oh, I see you and um Irv is getting ready. For your Baltimore shenanigans coming up, I I heard you earlier say that um you'll be going to um yes yep Ron Daniels, Ron Daniels Institute of the Black World whatever you want to call it that. yeah yeah yep. you yeah know, man I'm I, a little I, I'm, I'm a little I've known I've known Ron for for many years interesting Negro yeah that's I, all I want to say yeah well I. Very interesting Negro. I met I met Ron Daniel way back in the eighties. In fact, it was at the Black Political Convention That's held in I Milwaukee in the eighties. In the early eighties, it might have been eighty one, eighty two. 
uh, in Milwaukee. In fact, the Hyatt Regency was first built, and one of the first things they had there was the Black Political Convention. And they had a contest that uh, one person helped me I, I, uh, for me to be a judge, uh, you know. And But also what's even deeper, though, special to me, which I'll never forget, I heard Bobby Wright. Bobby Wright was a Saturday night keynote address. I heard like, mm. Bobby Wright. But anyway, Ron Daniels was there. I met Ron Daniels and some others, you know, Black Political Convention. And, and, and what's upsetting to me is that I've been to three of these things, and they're all the same. They're all the, they say the same thing. After all these yeah, years, after a, all these years, it, you know, a, it's re, it's re, it's rhetorical, it's rhetorical. I'm sorry to say it, bullshit. You know what I mean? I mean, I met him in '89 at a rally with Perm Daddy Al Sharpton. So you know how far back I go to listening to him with the Reverend Herbert yeah. Daughtry and Bob Law and all of the, the, yeah. the delegates to New York City right. so-called black movement. Mm -hmm. But, um, hey, man, to I always say this, to each his own, you know, he has a political bent. He believes in the system. And, you know, I, I'll give him one thing. He's been consistent with his bullshit for as long as I've known him. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, hey. more power, yeah, more power to him. The ancestors, the ancestors have taken pretty good care of him. Yeah. You know, I always say to look at your boy, Messi Jesse, at this stage of the game, let you know how the ancestors feel when you do the type of shit he done did to black people. You know what I mean? So, you know, hey, you got to be on your swivel when you're talking about liberating African people and doing right bomb because every now and then the ancestors will use you as an example and punish you for your wickedry. And your deceivableness. Well, well uh, to and, me. And, and all sorts of things that you knew you wasn't supposed to be doing. You know, all for one thing. Well, let me say this. Money. Yeah, well, let me say this. I, I wish retribution would happen to everybody who does evil. To anybody. I, I wish that was the case. But I just played, I don't know if you heard, I played the piece by Ahmadi Hassan from MSNBC on the 20th anniversary of the Iraqi war and how George Bush, W, and all his cohorts, Cheney, all these warmongers, all these cats, all these oil-hungry sons of a bitches crafted that whole thing, the lies about that, and using the pretense of the 9-11 piece, which they know was an inside damn job, and all the other things to go in and bomb a rock. The same thing with Barack's ass using uh, uh, some bull stuff uh, uh, about uh, Muammar Gaddafi to justify with, with going in. To, 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 with Hillary Clinton pushing it. Let's don't leave out Hillary Clinton pushing no. it. No, that, right. you know you ain't. You know I hate that heifer. So you know all of them doing what they did to do that, and of, of course, uh, killing Saddam Hussein and all the other stuff that they have done. And 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 uh, you know, I hate this system, Jay. I really do. I hate European, Caucasian extremism, racism, well, and privilege, I mean, white supremacy is, to the, the hill. The thing is this, though. The thing is this, though, OC. And this is what annoys me with them punks 
divine nine. You want to be a part of a system that goes out here and hurts your people and you don't say anything. But then when that same system goes after you, you don't do nothing. That's because you're punks. You know what I mean? I would have more respect for them if they did something in regards to what this clown DeSantis is doing down there in Florida. They're talking about all the other nonsense that they're talking about. Now is the time for you to show true black leadership. Mm-hmm. But now is the time for you to show the people that we got your back. But no, they ain't saying or doing nothing. But hey, you know, your girl's going to call up in a few minutes and say, well, what are you doing? So I, I, I'm not going to say no <laughs> No, she already I'm called. She already got no it more. in. She already got it in on your oh, ass, okay. Jay. What you doing? Oh, okay. What you doing? Because <laughs> the, bottom, the bottom line is this. Until we diversify ourselves from this notion of being part of whiteness and try to figure out a way how we can get our Africanness back or create some sort of stabilization in regards to the lives of African people, we ain't going to do nothing but slowly and surely witness ourselves being placed right back in the Jim Crow. Because you know the Jim Crow laws are still on the books, right? You know that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course. Okay. Of so course, we could be right back. We could be right back into captivity, right back into That's slavery with a, with a, with a That's vote. That's what I'm saying. And it didn't hit you. And it didn't hit you without you even knowing it. I mean, just look at what they're doing in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Just look how they, they setting them crackers. They setting them up. They're gonna take the city. Them crackers gonna take the city of Jackson, Mississippi. They're yeah. gonna do it. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, and the thing is this: what you gonna do? As 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 Jim Brown said to Richie Price, what you gonna do? What you gonna do, Rich? <laughs> what are black people gonna do to stop us being placed back? smoothly, slickly into Jim Crow. Because this all, hey, 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 listen, I'm going to make a prediction right now if the creator allows me to be here in the next 15 to 20 years, we'll be back in Jim Crow. Well, segregation has always been, and that's the main thing about Jim Crow. We're talking about captivity. We're talking about enslavement. That's another thing. And all these things are possible in a society where where uh, the divisions are so deep between have and have not that it, and it continues to grow wider and wider. And our situation has been pathetic from Jump Street. Our situation has been so deeply p- pathetic that when you when, it, when when people who deal with this history talk about it, when they talk about uh, average Caucasians will have more wealth than even American Africans with college degrees. They'll be able to have better jobs and move in better neighborhoods than if so. So you know, it's all their force, but we refuse to see it because we continue to, to beg these folks, acknowledge it, to beg these people, as opposed to saying, "Okay, we're tired of this shit. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to get our own. 
going to get our own. Are we going to place ourselves in the position to build to our own? Yeah. We're going to place a strategic position that we're going to change the whole dynamics of how we function in these sororities and, and, and fraternities. We're going to now nation build. We're going to now think, have our memberships instead of partying and all that other bullshit. We're going to build institutions. We're going to collectively see, educate that's the thing, our I think, children. We're going to do all the necessary things to yeah. go to the next level. But your time is up, and I don't want the head whipper to get on you. All right. So let's, let's close down the show. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jay. My brother. Have a, day, have a good day, brother. Peace to you, man. I will. All right. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's that time, family. You know, um, I hope that uh, my purpose in playing that on the 20th anniversary to let you know how evil, of course you know, for those who listen to this program, I'm quite sure you know how evil this system is, how evil these crackers are. Our problem, of course, is, is that we follow suit. We're in support of it. We're in support of it, Condoleezza Rice. We're in support of it, uh, Colin Powell. We're in support of it. I don't know what the, the 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 new Negro who's in charge of the military. You know, all these folks. That, I mean, we support what they do, and there's never any uh, uh, support for us as a collective. A Negro too will, you know. And that's what the whole Divine Nine was about: the the, the sororities and the fraternities and the boule. These were these were the people that like uh, 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 Du Bois, the talented tenth, the talented tenth. You know, going to be the idea, the models, because these people had the same behaviors and the same wants and needs, like Caucasians. They had no desire, none whatsoever, to reclaim their Africanness. None. They they hated they hated the fact that that blood run through their veins because they wanted to be white as snow, like their masters. Man, listen, brothers and sisters, we end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko: the most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor, the Urugu, the Caucasian, the Cracker, the European, is the minds of the oppressed, us. But not just the MIND family, but the MINE. Because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants, think they can't do it out, and they shown the hell, damn it, don't want to pay for. Brothers and sisters, let's come together. Let's come together. Shimhotep means go in peace. Isante Sana means thank you. Bibi Fahodier. Bibi Fahodier means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. You have a blessed and wonderful day. Brother Bomani Tahimba, Africa for the Africans. You want to hear this program, some a lot of exciting things. And I know you want to go. So join us on Wednesday. Peace, family.